Hello and welcome to my series of conversations with stalwarts of music. Today's episode is being partnered along with Perpetual Buzz Experiences. It's an artist representation company with three very basic but lofty goals. They are the launchpad for musicians, helping them leverage success to produce some of the most memorable experiences for all you music lovers out there. They also help generate funding for social causes and make sure that people have a good time in the process. Be sure to check them out on www.perpetualbus.com. We have yet another sponsor, which is Wire Up Music Store, which is one of the finest music retail stores with state-of-art equipment. Your one-stop solution for the best musical gear, ranging from guitars to ukulele to percussive instruments to classical instruments. Do check them out on wireup.india. My guest today is one of the most revered voices in music and he's a figurehead of soul pop for several many decades now. He's none other than Paul Carrick, who is Britain's blue-eyed soul singer, writer and purveyor of songs that are deep in the DNA of history of pop music. He's been recognized as the man with the golden voice in a BBC documentary with over 50 years of exceptional contribution in the field of music. Paul's vocals have graced million-selling songs from hits like How Long by Ace, Tempted by Squeeze and the Grammy Award-nominated Living Years by Mike and the Mechanics. He's now firmly established as one of the hardest-working independent musicians in the music scene. Is also a hugely popular touring artist who is also a talented multi-instrumentalist and he's also a record label owner. Without any further ado, I'm delighted to welcome my guest for today, Mr. Paul Carrick. Hey. Hi, Paul. How are you? Yeah. Okay, thank you. How are you? Very well, very well. Couldn't be better. It's, uh, I'm a little bit early, I think, but I thought I'd test it to see if it works, and it does. That's, that's great. It just gives me more time to talk to you. Okay. I'm really excited. Uh, so let's get started with our agenda for today. I have a couple of interesting questions coming your way. Okay. As an academic, say if I were to be a student in your class with a limited sensibility in terms of music, what would you say to me in terms of how the music is being created at a very mundane level? Music is an art form which is a culmination of so many different styles and is very artistic in several ways. I'm asking for you to define what are some of the ways or what are some of the yardsticks or some references that an ordinary human being like me would take to respond to a musical piece? Wow. Start with an easy one, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> well, um, I'm not sure what the answer to that question is. Um, for me, uh, music is, is, is quite a natural thing. It, fortunately, it's one of the things I'm, it's one of the things I'm good at. 
fortunately, because I'm not much good at anything else. Um, I think it's, I'm a believer in the genetics of it. You know, my, uh, my father had a, and his family had a kind of musical gene. And uh, fortunately, I seem to have inherited that somewhat. And I have four children and they all have it to some extent, but one guy in particular has seems to be blessed with it more than more than the others. But um, yeah, well, as you can tell already, I I'm, don't approach music from an intellectual angle at all. To me, right. it's 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 a natural thing. It's as natural as uh, breathing or eating, and um, it's just something I enjoy. And as I say, fortunately, you know, we all have our blessings and our gifts. And I'm fortunate that that I seem to have had the the gift of music, and I also had the fortitude and the determination to develop that raw talent mm-hmm. and to make a career, which is astonishing to make a career from music. Lovely. Does that make any sense? Of course it does. Uh, I, have a, I have a follow-up question to whatever you said. Okay. You've, you've definitely worked really hard to cultivate the career that you have done so. For yourself, what was the turning point in your career? Uh, I, I, I'm sure I'm sure that there must have been several, many. But if you if you were to like highlight the top moment, which was you know the turning point in terms of your career, what would that be? Well, as you say, there've been. I don't know if there was a particular turning point, but there may, I've, it's been a unusual career. Um, mm-hmm. It's followed. A very strange path, you know. It 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 wasn't a planned route, or and I made some good decisions and some ga- bad decisions, you know. But I just kind of followed um, my nose, as we as we say. Um, you know, I started out, you know, with uh, just the ambition to to be in a band. You know, uh, I, I'm totally self-taught. I never had a music lesson. I just wanted to be be in a band and to be on the road and playing music. Now, I suppose if you're talking about the first turning point or the first claim to fame, I left school at like 15 just to be on the road. We lived very, very hand-to-mouth, you know, Um but it was an adventure. It was exciting. I, I, I was free. I was doing what I wanted to do. Um, back in those days, it, it's a long time ago. It was quite a brave thing to do in many ways because um, it wasn't normal to try to make a career from music. Not, not where I came from. I came from a very working class uh, family and uh, City. I come from the city of Sheffield, which back in those days was a very industrial city. It was making steel. There was coal mining, engineering, all these things of which I was no use whatsoever. But um, fortunately, I did have a bit of musical talent and the determination to somehow make it work. But the first a little bit of success I had from leaving school up until being about 23, I think I was, 
was to write a song and to sing the song that became, you know, a popular hit, you know, first of all in the UK, then in the USA, and in fact, all around the world. And to my astonishment, it's still around to this day. And that was the song, How Long. So that was, that was a little, you know, a little thing that sort of said, oh, maybe, um, maybe I could do this, you know, maybe I know what I'm doing. So, but since then, you know, there've been so many ups and downs and twists and turns. Um, but I've always been willing and prepared to take the ups and downs and to do different things and to try different things. And um, I think in a way it stood me in good stead. Avi, I'm sure, I'm sure there's been like a lot of ups and downs uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of the music, musical pursuit that you had put forth. Uh, if we were to consider the romantic notion of an artist, uh, uh, you know, in terms of wh- what are the odds in terms of uh, the expectations and processes uh, that you put forth in a society that you're working with, right? So being a musician, have you ever felt any of these odds as to how difficult it is in terms of being an artist in this materialist, consumerist world? How did you it's, go about that? It's very difficult. It's very difficult um, for anybody to uh, follow an artistic path unless you're independently wealthy, which I certainly was not. But what I did have from my upbringing was uh, a resilience, mm-hmm. a determination, and honesty. And um, I, I didn't feel in any way any entitlement to have a career. I thought I was very fortunate to be doing what I was doing. And I was, as I said before, willing to take the rough with the smooth and, and for it to be hard. I didn't expect it to be easy at all. And it was, certainly wasn't, in, uh, especially in the early days, just physically, you know, um, um, we were, we didn't make any money or anything, you know, but we, we, we didn't, I grew up in a country that had, you know, uh, experienced a, a massive world war, you know, and my parents had come from very, you know, tough, um, upbringing and, and my grandparents even more tough, you know, so, um, but, you know, as I said, I learned from my parents the value of hard work and determination, and um, that has helped me. Right. Are you, are that's you not almost... a very romantic answer, but that's, that's my answer. But, but, yeah, the essence of it was uh, definitely, uh, you know, it'll definitely lead us to that uh, in, in a while. Okay. Are you always content? in terms of the music that you make, or do you look back upon uh, songs that, that were imperfect in a lot of ways? What are these imperfections that you usually struggle with? Are they something to do with the form? Or are they something to do with the purity of intent? Uh, or the conceptualization? Where do you find this kind of imperfection? Is it in the process? Or the final product that you put out for the listeners out there to receive? Well, 
I used to be very hard on myself, but I, I, I never, I can't listen to any record I've ever made and think it couldn't have been better. You know, um, I know it could be better, but I'm, I'm not in search of perfection at all. You know, I think you, you do what you can and then you move on and you try something else. Um, depends what mood I'm in when, if I hear some of my older things, I might sometimes it's, sometimes it's easier to, to hear something you haven't heard for a long time. When it's really difficult is when you've made something new and it's very raw and it's, um, in it's sensitive and you're hearing every minute thing that's wrong or right. But usually, you know, when you come back to it later, much later, a year maybe, and then you can be more relaxed about it and you don't notice the, the, the little details so much. <clears throat> but as I said, I'm by no means a perfectionist in that sense. I mean, in that I think I can achieve perfection. I mean, um, I think that'd be futile in my <laughs> case. <laughs> So do you mean to say that uh, you are perfectly imperfect? Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Why didn't I say that? Been much quicker. <laughs> right. So what, what aspiration would a musician approaching 72 have to keep making more music? Uh, and and what, what would be uh, the best time for him to call it a day? Yeah. Well, obviously, it does occasionally come into my thinking, but I still feel that I could have done better going back, following on from your previous question. I, I, I always say if, if, if it ended tomorrow, you know, if I was run over by a bus or whatever, I would say I was very, very fortunate to make a career from music and to have raised a family also, which is unusual in this. Um, I would be forever grateful and would get down on my knees, but I would always feel that I could have done more and done better work. And I think that's why I keep going. And I think, you know, I've contributed to a lot of different things as well, and maybe not had, you know, an awful lot of recognition, but, Nah, I don't think I'm too worried about that, to be honest with you. Um, I would say on balance, I've been very uh, fortunate or blessed or whatever, however you want to look at it. I know of a lot of musicians who didn't have any recognition or didn't, you know, it, 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 it's tough. So, um, but what keeps me going? I think it's that. I think it's because I still think I'm actually getting better as a musician but um it's it it is always still easy because i've never felt complacent about that whenever i do a show i always feel i have to give a hundred percent and do my absolute best to show what i can do and as a singer that's quite a, a cross to bear because um you're always worried about your voice I mean, I recently had COVID and I haven't, oh, my no. voice hasn't really come back yet. And I, 
I'll be doing some shows next week. So I'm thinking, I'm looking at the clock as it's ticking down and I'm hoping. So that's, um, that's the, a bit of a curse of, of being a singer because it can be wonderfully satisfying when you're in good form and you're singing great and people are loving it and you're just experiencing that, uh, you know, using your gift and it's all working fantastically well. And then there are other times when it's a lot harder, you know, physically or whatever reason. And, you know, I could live without that pressure, but um, I think I'll just keep going until I drop. <laughs> well, we're really looking forward to hear uh, all the new stuff. So what's, what's going on? <laughs> what, no, what, no, what's going on in terms of new music? This is what, what we're really eager to hear. Well, I don't know what you, what you have heard um, because for the last 20 years, I've been releasing my stuff independently sure. without, you know, the benefit of uh, big promotion campaigns or what have you. But I have built a steady catalog of stuff for my own label. Mm -hmm. And um, some of that is better known in some places than others. I mean, I had a pretty good run, actually in the UK, especially right. with the solo stuff. And um, so I don't know where you are in terms of what I've been doing for the last mm -hmm. few years, but I've been putting out a lot of stuff. Um, and also, you know, working very hard uh, with touring. So during lockdown, for example, it's 2020, when we were supposed to be doing a whole world tour with my band, um, I made two albums. I made an album all by myself uh, called mm -hmm. One on One. Mm -hmm. Did you hear that at all? I did see the live performance at Leeds back in oh, 2020. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We streamed that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't think we did a whole lot of. No. In fact, I think that was. Um, before the release of one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Right. So if you could look, look it up. Yeah. Um, so I made that album, which is one I did everything myself. I wrote the whole thing. I played everything. I um, recorded it myself. And I also made a remote, an album remotely with, it was more of a kind of jazz mm -hmm. album with um, a band from Germany. But um, and and also I've been playing, you know, touring consistently with my own band, and working in with the Eric Clapton band, you know, playing organ in uh, his band and touring the world, which has been a fantastic experience. Uh, so I've not been lazy. See <laughs> <laughs> that. So uh, speaking of audiences, uh, to what level are you able to talk? To your audiences and inquire of them as to whether the intention or the idea that you have sought to communicate through your music has actually been received in the right sense or has it or is it completely off track how do you get that satisfaction in terms of that intention that you kind of want to communicate in terms of your music and your audiences receiving it well they will receive it how they receive it. I mean, um, I, I, I put it, put it out there. My music 
is, as I said before, it's not uh, intellectual right. in, an, in any way. It, it, it's kind of emotional, I suppose, or soulful is what, what I like to think about it. And I don't know specifically what the audience gets from it. I, I, I hope they are moved or touched, um, and I hope they're uplifted. Um, this seems to be what happens on the gigs because 99 times out of 100, the people are standing up at the end and they've enjoyed music and that's enough for me. Um, you know, I, I, I don't seek any uh, critical acclaim or anything like that. I mean, uh, I'm just going to go out there and sing my heart out and um and hope that people do it and the people that come to my shows are very there are a lot of, it's a diverse audience and um i think that's what they get from it they they're not intellectually challenged mm -hmm. um or they're not necessarily hearing anything innovative but i think hopefully as they say they can be moved and um to me, that's what music's about. Great. You've been fettered with applause from all across the world. And you, you were recently awarded by the Buddy Holly Foundation with an actual replica of the acoustic guitar. And it's quite a, quite a rare uh, souvenir uh, that, that very few artists like Bob Dylan and uh, you, of course, have received this kind of a recognition. Do these validations really matter to you? And what kind of applause do you give yourself at this point? Well, they don't matter until you get one. And then they, then they matter. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, I've not had very many accolades in that respect, uh, you know, trophies or um, uh, recognition in that sense. I mean, I had a couple of Grammy nominations that. Mm -hmm didn't quite come through but and things like that but it that doesn't really bother me at all but it's nice when you get something at the same time i mean um it just so happened that the first record i ever bought was uh, a buddy holly record yeah. and maybe i don't know if that was something that the the people at buddy holly foundation had heard or, or whatever, but I, I was very delighted to receive one of those guitars. There are a few of them, but as you say, there's some really it's a really impressive list of people that's got them. Uh, Paul McCartney, um, Elvis Costello. You mentioned Bob Dylan, um, some really uh, Bruce Springsteen, and so uh, I'm I'm not saying I'm in that same executive club by any means, but I was delighted to receive the guitar. And actually, it's quite a nice guitar. It plays pretty good. You're just being very modest <laughs> in saying that. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with being uh, modest. I'm, I'm not falsely modest. I'm not. Um, my father, who sadly I only knew for 11 years, because sadly he passed away when I was only 11 years old, but he was a very modest guy who... But at the same time, he would treat everybody the, the same, you know, whether you were a millionaire or, a, you know, a, a beggar, you know. So, um, and I think musicians, 
really, I think we should be modest because I think we've been very lucky to grow up in an age where we can receive, you know, a lot of uh, praise and attention and uh, even money, you know, for, uh, um, you know, quite simple achievements musically. When you think of all the incredible music, incredible classical music, jazz music, soul music, I think it's right to be modest because what I do is pretty basic, you know, and um, anyway, there you go. On the, on the contrary, how, how would one deal with a situation where there is a question of egos? Uh, if, if my music doesn't reach a particular milestone uh, where I want it to ideally reach, and yours does and vice versa, and it, so it goes on, right? How do you negotiate that kind of stuff? I, I, because you're a free bird being an artist. How do you go around coping with the ego kind of stuff? I'm not sure what you mean, really, but I've been pretty fortunate that uh, most of the people that I've worked with, and I've worked with a lot of different people, but most of the people that I've been fortunate enough to work with who I think are, are great have been nice people. You know, um, I, I, I've played with a couple of people that have big egos and good luck to. Good luck to them, you know. I wish I had, sometimes wish I had more of that going, but um, it's, not, it's never going to be. I'm, I'm just not that way inclined. We all, we've all got egos, and we all like praise, and we all like encouragement and, um, and, 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 and all that. But I try to stay balanced, you know, um, in life, I've, I, as I said, I've also had a family life, which has kept me very down to earth. I'm, my, my, my upbringing was down to earth. Um, even if you're familiar with the Sheffield at all, it's in the north of England, and people are kind of down to earth. They don't like people who get too big for their boots, you know, and they'll, br- they'll quickly bring you down if they, if they do. So um, I get my disparaging my self-deprecation in before anybody else does. <laughs> You've done a great deal of work with the Eagles. You've co-written Love Will Keep Us Alive and uh, a song from uh, the album Long Road Out of Eden. Uh, so songwriting has been quite an enduring influence in terms of the work that you've put forth. What is the relationship between the reality that you try uh, to sort of bring out from the inner recesses of your imagination, uh, it definitely does bring a very romantic notion of art. What draws you towards this kind of realism? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think in, in those kind of terms, you know, I just... Um, my music, as I, as I set, keep saying, it, it, it's quite simple, really. I think it, it, it's from the heart, you know, that's where it comes from. I mean, you mentioned that I'd worked a lot with the Eagles. I haven't worked a lot with them at all, but um, I, I, I knew Timothy Schmidt, mm-hmm. who's in the, the, the Eagles. I met him on my first 
tour of America in 1975 when he was in a band called Poco. And I got to know him then. And um, in the mid-90s, when the Eagles were, weren't actually functioning, you know, they were they fallen out for whatever reason. Um, I started to, Timothy called me and Don Felder, who was the guitar player in the Eagles, and they, they wanted to work and do something. And they asked me uh, if I'd be interested in doing, you know, writing songs and making recordings. And I was doing that for a while, which is when the song uh, Love Will Keep Us Alive came about. It's written by a guy called Peter Vale, Jim Capaldi, and myself. And I took that song over to this project and when I was singing it. And um, people were getting quite excited. It looked like this was going to be a thing, you know, this, this kind of band that we had. Um, but to cut a long story short, the actu actually the Eagles did reform when they got back together. And that was kind of the end of that project, but it wasn't the end of the song because um, Timothy called me up and said, I need a song to sing on the new Eagles album. And, um, and would, uh, would it be okay for him to sing that song? And we said, of course. <laughs> but um, yeah, as I said, my kind of style and where I'm coming from is more about um, if it's a heartfelt song and I, it's something I can get behind emotionally, that's what I find is the uh, best kind of vehicle for me. I, I don't really, my music doesn't, translate to sort of um intellectual stuff or um angry stuff um you know uh, i guess i'm a lover not a fighter i think the music that you put out satisfies your soul and our souls okay probably the best way to put it <laughs> it's one way of putting it yeah a lot of modern music uh, is being manipulated purely electronically wherein they don't use traditional instrumentation. Have you dabbled into those areas of experimentation or do you still feel that one's foot in the classical is very crucial? Yeah, I'm, I'm not really uh, a fan of... Um, I, I like real music that's, that's played on instruments, you know, the, the traditional kind of instruments and... Uh, I'm not a musical snob by any stretch, but um, I've taken advantage of this sort of digital way of recording, which is a very can be a very, very productive way of recording. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, if you're trying to do it uh, by yourself, because I can remember I used to do things uh, with the tape machines, and it would very slow because you have to wind back to the beginning and do them. But um, a lot of modern music uh, kind of leaves me a, a little cold and I, I'm not really up to date with, um, with the stuff that's going on. I mean, um, so, uh, no, I tend to uh, err on this. I'm quite boring. Yes, I, I go for the old style. But, but are, aren't you uh, exploring or have you discovered any new artists that uh, came to your liking in terms of music? Well, as I say, I'm a little lazy about that. I mean, uh, there's so much music around. Um, 
And uh, no, I, I can't really say that, um, that there's anybody that I, I'm championing. I, I uh, don't forget that I'm spending a lot of time making music, uh, being on the road, all that sort of stuff. And um, I like to turn off from it a little bit. I, I don't really follow, you know, the modern thing and what's happening. If I listen to mu music in my own time, I'll often listen to old, even classical music or nice jazz music or great singers, Ella Fitzgerald or people like that, or soul music. It's still the kind of music that makes me feel good. So, uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm not your man. If you're looking for uh, pointers to the new stuff, I'm sure, absolutely sure that there are some great, um, you know, young people around. They, there has to be, but um, you know, I'm, I'm happy with my own little tastes. Uh, can you speak a little bit about difference between financial success versus artistic fulfillment from your personal experience? Well, no, I mean, um, I've, uh, as, as I say, I've had an unusual career, but I've managed to keep my head above water. I've managed to um, put food on the table. I've managed to play with some great people. I've managed to even uh, forge my own kind of career. It's, it, it was never easy. There was always a chance that it might end. You know, in, in my 30s or 40s, when I had a young family and, um, you know, it was important for me to, uh, you know, as I say, put food on the table, put a roof over the head, but I, I'm, I think I'm in a wonderful place now. You know, I mean, I've, I've never lived very extravagantly, but we've lived well, you know, we've, we've never gone without anything since I've had a, a, the family, you know, of course, in my younger days, we were, <laughs> we had no money at all but um so i'm not i've never been bothered about being famous um i would i'm i'm always like to get a check in the post i'm never reluctant to accept that but um it's not the driving force but it's important in terms of being um a breadwinner but what would be your advice to uh, the, the new generation that's planning to take up this as a profession? You know, for someone who's getting started with their musical pursuits, what would you, what would you do to guide them in order to, you know, uh, take a viable path in terms of profession? I would say that I don't think I can give any advice to anybody young starting out now because it's different. I mean, yeah, in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's the same, but in, in so many other ways, it's different. I mean, I could probably learn more from the young people and, um, you know, how to get a career uh, moving and all the social media and stuff like that, which I'm not very good with. Mm -hmm. um, 
but back in our our day, we didn't really have ambitions of being um, global phenomenon. You know, we, we just wanted to play and uh, play in small places with happy people. And uh, yeah, at, at the back of your mind, you would dream of having some success, but it really in order just to keep it going, you know, um, it's good to have a little bit of success here and there to keep the momentum going, but very difficult to advise uh, younger people now, even in with my own uh, son. I mean, one of my sons who's in my band, you know, yep. and um, it's, it's difficult for him and his friends. I mean, he does other things, small things. It, it, it always has been difficult, but um, I would keep my advice to myself because I don't think it would be particularly useful. But the only thing I would say is, look at me. I, I was a, a kid from Sheffield. I had no connections. No, I didn't. I knew nobody. I knew nothing. I taught myself. I just kept going and going. And um, I somehow not made it, but, you know, I made a career. So it is possible. But uh, you better be willing to work or be very lucky, I think. Uh, Your career has spanned several many decades. Uh, You have definitely reached out to several continents. You've had, uh, you've really enthralled audiences with your music. Uh, and uh, in, in terms of this, is there a particular album in which you felt that the artistic vision was there right from the beginning, the second you got together with your fellow set of musicians, there was sheer bliss being made in terms of music? Was there a moment like that? Well, there have been moments. There have been moments. Um, personally, I don't think I have that one album of my own that I can point to and say, nailed it. I think I've done some good work, but I think it's one of the reasons I keep going and keep trying because I, you know, you have that strange, uh, <laughs> notion that it might still be there. You know, you might still, uh, make it, you know, make that album. I mean, to me, it's not, I've never felt complacent. I've never felt I've achieved it. I've done it. I've always, I've had, as you say, had moments of, of, of course, you know, when things click and they roll and it's just wonderful and the music's just doing it, it, it itself without really trying, you know, it's effortless. And uh, they, are, they are the moments that musicians live for. But I don't know anybody that has that consistently, you know, all the time. It's always <laughs> what you're reaching for, you know. Uh, from, from whatever we've spoken so far, uh, you are someone who works really hard. And uh, I, feel, I feel music comes out naturally from you. Right? Mm-hmm. You do it. You do it like very effortlessly in terms of uh, whatever you put across to to the receiver's end. So, to what degree does uh, this entire uh, idea 
come about? Like, to what degree do you get lost in terms of your music? And how do you counterpoint that with being sensitive when you're performing in front of an audience? How do you, how do you find that right balance between the two? Wow. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I just do what I do. I, I, <laughs> I, I just try to enjoy myself now. Enjoy, enjoy the music. Um, the less I think about it, the better it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. That's all right. It was just, I just wanted to get your perspective uh, to it. That's you know, I mean, it's just like, as I say, when, yeah. when we do a show, um, for instance, um, I'm just trying to connect with something. And um, I, don't, I don't go into, um, you know, fanciful um, explanations for this or, you know, where it's coming from or, or, or whatever. I just try and connect with something inside make something beautiful and um that's what i'm trying to do all the time on the stage i'm trying i'm not thinking about um you know impressing anybody or uh, anything like that or educating anybody or anything like that i'm just just trying to connect with with my soul and um and make something that is nice and good to listen to. And uh, I know I said in the past uh, earlier on that, you know, I'm not particularly innovative in, in the songwriting or the structure of songs or anything like that. But I think I can be innovative in my um, expression and um, my phrasing. But um, that's just something that, that happens really. So you mean I'm trying to, to say I'm trying to make myself sound interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are definitely interesting. That's why I'm talking to you. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, you know uh, spirituality, right, or spiritual techniques, do you embody any of that for your personal no, well-being? No, not really. Okay, N not really. Um, I, I I think I have a, a kind of uh, belief, but not necessarily a strong faith. I mean, I, I was I grew up in a um, Christian society. Mm -hmm. um, I went, you know, the schools back then were quite strict. You know, we we would have assembly most days. We would sing hymns. We would say our prayers, and um, whether whether you think that might be brainwashing or whatever, I think it, it it instilled something in me. You know, I try to be a good person. I try to be empathetic. You know, uh, I try to uh, think of others uh, as as well as myself. But of course, I'm a selfish person as well. But um, I don't really have any particular techniques or of, of meditation or prayer, or I don't attend church. Well, for instance, my wife does. She's more of a uh, 
practicing Christian than myself. She she does uh, go to a small church and she will pray and all the rest of it. I will pray in times of trouble, <laughs> but when Just I like think me. it when it <laughs> when it's going well, I think it's all down to me. But um, when it's tough, that's when I turn to, to God. Or, um, but I I don't think it's necessary to understand that i don't even think we're meant to understand it it's too it's too massive uh, a concept you know so i think i just i try to be good i try to be honest i try to make my music i think that's what i'm here for um and for me to try and understand the universe or anything like that it beyond my my scope of intellectual thinking. Wonderful. I'm going to put you in a very hypothetical situation right now. So there are several. You traditions. keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> there are several traditions like Tibetan Buddhism, for example. If you were to train one's mind consciously to a rebirth of choice, if you had a chance to do that, what kind of rebirth would you look for yourself? Would you still want to be a musician in your next life? Yeah, I I would think that I've been very blessed in this life, and I would be very concerned about any other kind of life. Um, as I said, I I had some issues. I mean, when I was young, I lost my father. That was a massive, massive uh, blow to me, and. Um, really made me fearful of fate and how things can turn you know um and so i've always been sort of on the out looking out for something else to happen like that which is not a great way to live and i should probably have done something about that before now but um I'm trying to think what the original question was. Oh, a rebirth. No, it does cross my mind that compared to millions and millions and millions and millions of people, I've been had a very good life so far. And um, I'm very grateful for it. And I wouldn't want to uh, think what else, how else it could be. Does that make any sense? Of course it does. Good. We have a lot of... Uh, are we live, by the way? Yes, we are. So this is being this is live on Instagram. So people on okay. Instagram can see this uh, as a live stream. However, okay. we will not be able to see the audiences right here. But, but from what I can see is there are a lot of people who have tuned in from India and other parts of the world. Oh, that's interesting. They are very curious to know some very interesting anecdotes in terms of your touring experiences with uh, Mike and the Mechanics and uh, some other noteworthy acts. They'd like to know some very interesting anecdotes that sit at the top of your head. Oh, it's always hard when people do that. Of course, you know I'm not with Mike and the Mechanics now. Yes, yes. I mean, I haven't been there for, uh, oh, I don't know, 10, <coughs> 15 years. But um, no, we had a lot of fun with that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I've done a, some quite... Um, wonderful things like the wall in berlin you know i was roger i was uh, with roger waters i was one of the guest 
singers on that 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 was something that came uh, <clears throat> out of the blue because um i wasn't originally supposed to be there but um i knew roger quite well and um he had one or two problems and at, at the last minute i was brought in to, to sing one of the songs hey you that was uh quite an experience but you know there's been so many, many, many. That's that's something that's quite uh, a story to tell the grandchildren. But um, you know, also all the time you're having these things with your fellow musicians and great times and bad times and all the rest of it. But it's all it's very difficult when people put you on the spot and say, "Tell us a story." <laughs> I can I can uh, imagine. You're still very young in terms of a musical lifespan what sort of goals dreams do you set for yourself apart from your personal accomplishments that are already very considerable what aspirations are left for you right now well as i keep sort of saying um i will always feel that i could have done something else something something better so i will keep trying um i have a thought to make i'd like to make a country album for in, instance um but i mean i i have a full a full life um touring with my own band i tour with this uh, jazz orchestra from germany i've been touring with eric clapton for the last 10 years and um i have my little studio here at home where i'm always working and trying to write new stuff and i have a family life so it's 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 quite a full life and um but but in terms of um aspirations yeah i just want to make that great album i'll keep going lovely okay now we'll move to a slightly interesting segment of our agenda oh, today yeah so this is uh brought to you by hashtag #magazine and we call it turn it up so i'm going to ask you very concise questions and very easy questions you Good. you you got to be very spontaneous with your answers i will all right yeah so first question for you paul what is that one song that always makes you cry uh i can't make you love me by bonnie rait oh wow Good choice. On the contrary, what is your favorite guilty pleasure song? Guilty pleasure song. Okay. Yeah. Well, a guilty pleasure implies that it's not really that great, but um I got so many. Um Sweet Soul Music by Arthur Connolly. I can't <laughs> stand still. I have to get up and dance. <laughs> Uh how do you how do you rejuvenate on a sunday what do you prefer doing apart from music sunday um i'm a big fan of the traditional sunday lunch uh huh and um, what's a platter like well um it's traditional english fare which oh, wow. um i don't know if it's so how popular this sense is going to be but uh, you know roast beef and uh 
a bottle of red wine. <laughs> so I don't know how acceptable that is, but. Uh, do you have a favorite uh, kind of cuisine? Um, no, but I like all kinds of food, which is funny because when I was a kid, uh, I I didn't like food. I was I was very very thin, and I I, I had a bit of a, I guess it was uh, some kind of food phobia, that um, but of course we didn't think of it like that. It was just like well he doesn't like to eat, but now I love every kind of food, particularly Italian. Um, as you can see. <laughs> what, uh, what or who uh, might have been your major influences uh, when you started out your musical pursuit? I would say initially very much the bands from Liverpool like the Beatles, Beatles, the Searchers, um, the Merseys, Jerry and the Pacemakers, uh, all these bands. Uh, for me, it was a very intense time because, as I said, I'd lost my father, who was very encouraging about music. And um, I really turned to music in those days to, to help me. And uh, so... In my early days, it was definitely the Liverpool sound. And then in my teenage, it was all about uh, soul music and Motown. Motown. Motown is still my favorite genre of music, of pop music, because it's so uplifting, it's so, it's so great. Yeah. If you had to put together an all-star soul band, would be in it? Dead or Alive. Any era you can pick as you wish. Well, I would have Billy Preston. On keys? Okay. On keys. Because mm -hmm. um, he was always my favorite, even before I could play a note. Because I started out on drums. Right. And I decided to try to teach myself keyboards. And I bought an album by Billy Preston and listened to How does he do that? I never had any lessons, but just had to listen to How is it? And then... Uh, I'm still trying to play like Billy Preston. And who, so he would be in it. A guy called uh, James Jameson, who's the bass player on all the famous Motown records. So he's not a household name, but he made those records sound so wonderful. On, on the bass guitar, it was so important. And any number of... Fantastic singers, Stevie Wonder, of course, you know, Donny Hathaway, David Ruffin, so many. I've got one last question for you. This okay. Is, this is uh, a custom in all of my interviews, and I ask this uh, to all of, my, all of my special guests. Okay. So Paul, down in the distant horizon, what would you want to be remembered as? A good father. <laughs> I hope that's going to be the case. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure they're proud of you. Well, they don't need to be proud. Just know that they were loved. Have you ever been to India? 
you said there was just one more question. No, this, anyway. this, is, the, this is the last question. Uh, okay. I, yeah. No. Have, have, okay. I, no, I haven't. I've never been to India. I would love to go. I'd love to host you whenever you, whenever you come down to India. My daughter, has, my daughter has been there. Oh, okay. She traveled there, um, you know, maybe 10 years ago. She, did, she traveled all around the world. Okay. And uh, India was the first stop. And um, she was, thought it was amazing. Lovely. On that note, we'd love to have you in, in India. And we'd love to see you play a lot of shows in our country. And uh, this interview is also going to be aired on uh, two major radio stations, uh, Big FM Shillong and Aizol. Mm -hmm. uh, shortly and it's also going to be part of my all new audio podcast series on Apple Podcasts uh, it's called right. Stalwarts of Music with Aditya Veera I'll cool. be sure to share the link with you once it's out please do and uh, thank you so much for giving me this privilege it's been such an honor okay well I'm, I hope so I hope it's, it was uh, interesting for you of course of course very much and uh, it's, it's also taught me a lot of life lessons that I'm <laughs> going to embody uh, for the oh. next couple of years and uh, it's, it's, it's been a great honor it's been a total privilege I'd love to stay in touch with you and, and, and I hope uh, Peter is doing fine now is he, is he recovering? he's, he's not in, in, in good shape no I, oh I can't really say more than that in fact okay. it hasn't really been diagnosed as to uh -huh. what his problem is but he's, he's in hospital at the moment w wishing him great health and speedy Thank recovery please, st you. please take care of yourself and we, we really, we really want to cherish all the musical masterpieces that you have in store for us in the next couple of years. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so man. much, Paul. For the Pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.